On this show, we discuss crimes that are often graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is a weapon most bizarre. I'm your host, Paulette, and this is Crime Biscuit. list on Ranker by Jacob Shelton called the most unusual weapons ever used. Then I found one on list 25. One of them was so strange and horrifying it will actually be next week's episode. I selected some off of both lists. There were a few repeats. Then I dug a little deeper into each and now I will offer them up to you for your consideration. Bizarre murder weapon number one. A banjo. Back in 1991, 63-year-old Edward Benson beat his wife to death with a banjo. Actually, two banjos. This happened in West Milton, Ohio. Benson was charged with aggravated murder for beating his wife, 60-year-old Katie, on May 22nd. A judge ruled in 1991 that Benson was incompetent to stand trial and was committed to a mental hospital. According to reports from three different psychologists, as well as the Benson's two adult sons, The judge stated that even though Edward Benson understood the charges against him, he wasn't mentally capable of helping his attorneys prepare a defense. The judge, Robert Lindemann, asked for periodic reports on Benson's competency over the following year, believing that there was a good possibility Benson would eventually become competent. I dug around on the ether for a bit, and I can't find anywhere that he was ever found competent and tried. Bizarre weapon number two. A toilet lid. The killer's version of the murder is that he was having a May-December romance with the victim. He was 49 and she was 29. Marvin Joseph Hill will eventually be sentenced in 2008 to first-degree murder and abuse of a corpse in the May 2006 killing of Christina Jeanette Eubanks. Hill comes right out and admits he killed her, but says he didn't mean to. He said on the night in question he had sex twice with Christina, and then for some reason had gone to the bathroom to fix her toilet. Naked. He was naked when he went to make this repair. While fixing the john, he told her they couldn't see each other anymore. FYI, he was married. At this point, the two of them start to argue. And when he leaves the bathroom to continue the argument, he still has the toilet lid in his hands. He gets super angry and ends up hitting her with it. He is also accused of strangling her with a dog leash, but Hill says he only used that to drag her body to his vehicle. Now, the DA's version is this. Hill, a pizza delivery man, had been trying quite unsuccessfully to win over Christina. When that failed, he showed up at her door with a stun gun, which he used to knock her out in order to rape her. The DA then assumes that Christina wakes up in the middle of the attack, and Hill kills her with the only thing at hand, the toilet lid. The defense countered by pointing out that the apartment wasn't in disarray, which would support Hill's account of consensual sex. And the defense also points out that because Hill used a toilet lid, that proved it wasn't premeditated. Because who uses a toilet lid to kill someone? Well, here's what I say. The place wouldn't be in disarray if you rendered her unconscious with a stun gun. And the toilet lid was handy, so why not? The DA said this. Quote, I can never prove to you beyond a reasonable doubt the minute-by-minute account because Christina Eubanks is not here. Why? Because he killed her. 
End quote. Bizarre murder weapon number three, a guitar string. Paul Harris was accused of killing 49-year-old James Garrity in 2011. Thomas Henderson, the attorney who was handling Social Security payments for his client, James Garrity, reported him missing in April of 2011. James hadn't shown up to get his payments. According to Paul's former girlfriend, Bobby Williams, Paul shot James in the stomach and then proceeded to torture him for two days before finally severing Garrity's head with a guitar string. Paul Harris told police that he kept James Garrity's head in a canvas bag and talked to it as part of a voodoo ritual. Paul originally was charged with first-degree murder, but ended up pleading no contest to a reduced charge. He ended up only getting four years and two months in prison on an involuntary manslaughter sentence. That seems a bit lenient, and how the hell do you involuntarily shoot someone, then torture them for two days, and then behead them with a guitar string? I say again, how do you do that involuntarily? Sometimes I just throw my hands up in the air because there aren't any words. A section of James Garrity's skull was found, but the rest of his body has never been recovered. Bizarre murder weapon number four, a dessert spoon. Over in England, Richard Clare was sentenced to a minimum 27 years for slashing the throat of a rival for his love interest. He murdered Peter McConnell by cutting his throat and then wrapping him from head to toe in tape and burying him in the garden behind his home in Hatfield. But that wasn't the first time he'd killed someone. In an alleged dispute over a cell phone, Richard struck Timothy McGee in the back of the head with a dessert spoon. Claire hit him hard enough that it caused a fatal bleed and Timothy died. Timmy's family was present at the sentencing of Richard Clare for the murder of Peter McConnell, and they were glad to see the long sentence handed out, feeling that they were getting justice for their loved one at the same time. It seems Mr. Clare claimed self-defense, and he was found not guilty of both murder and manslaughter for McGee's death. That may be so, but I have to wonder, how much force is required to rupture an artery in the back of the head with a dessert spoon. That seems a bit excessive for a little spat over a cell phone. Bizarre murder weapon number five, a fireplace poker. In 2013, 31-year-old Jaron Custer was having some kind of mental breakdown. He'd had previous issues with mental health, and just two days prior to a triple homicide, his father had tried to have him committed. But the doctors at the facility said... Jaron didn't meet the criteria for involuntary commitment. So Jaron goes off on a tangent of some kind, ditches his car and his clothes, and is wandering about the countryside naked for a day. This is in Lafayette, Wisconsin. He's cold and hungry and breaks into a farmhouse. This is the home of Gary Thorinson, age 70, and his 66-year-old wife, Chloe. Gary and Chloe were on a four-month trip to San Diego. Right before they get back from their trip, Gary's brother, Dean Thorinson, goes to check on the house. Jaron is there. He's been looking for clothes, food, and a place to sleep. Jaron hits Dean with the fireplace poker and kills him. He then puts Dean's truck into the garage and closes the garage door. Later, when Chloe and Gary come home, he attacks them as well. Chloe had ended up being stabbed 12 times in the scalp, face, neck, hands, and arm. Gary was paralyzed by a blow that broke his neck and his back. But Gary kept on fighting, as evidenced by broken ribs and defensive wounds on his hands and chest. After the Thorinsons were deceased, 
Jaron plunged the pokers through their heads. Jaron ends up being sentenced to life in a mental institution. Bizarre murder weapon number six, a frying pan. In August of 2012, 37-year-old Nora Peterson pled guilty to the first-degree murder of her then-boyfriend, Michael. The two had gotten into an argument at their apartment, and Nora began hitting him on the head. She used a few different objects, but the frying pan appears to be the one that did him in. She called 911, but Michael was deceased by the time they arrived. No surprise at the autopsy, it showed he died from blunt force trauma to the head. Nora was given a 22-year prison sentence for the crime. Bizarre murder weapon number seven, a Dumbo. In October of 2013, Esteban Castillo, 35-year-old man from Patterson, New Jersey, got into an argument with his friend, William. They were at Esteban's apartment, and no one seems to know what the argument was even about. Whatever the cause, the result was Esteban picked up a metal dumbbell and hit William several times in the head. William's body was found two days later, and several days after that, Esteban was arrested. He pled guilty to the murder and was charged with aggravated manslaughter and received 15 years. Bizarre murder weapon number eight, pumpernickel bread. This is short and bizarre, and I looked it up, and it is there on the internet in multiple places. According to the Sarasota Herald Tribune in 1988, a man named Reginald Helmsley Dottingdale was found dead with a large lump on his head. A big pumpernickel roll that was supposedly the approximate hardness of an anvil was nearby. I know that bread gets hard when it's stale, but come on, anvil hard? Needless to say, looking into this particular weapon landed me on a site which listed other odd food slash weapons. So let's look at one more, shall we? Bizarre murder weapon number nine, a potato. On Christmas Day in 2015, a man in Cornell, England dies of carbon monoxide poisoning. Michael Horner died because the chimney pipe was blocked. It had a potato in it. Turns out his neighbor, Daniel Burgess, had stuffed the potato in the chimney and glued the disabled Michael's door shut so he could not get out. And why would he do such a terrible thing? Because Burgess thought Michael was stealing his prepaid gas cards and he wanted revenge. Bizarre murder weapon number 10, an umbrella. A man walking through Hanover, Germany, passed a man with an umbrella and plaster on his face. The 40-year-old man isn't thinking anything is up and he doesn't speak to this stranger with the umbrella. A second later, the man with the plaster on his face turns and stabs the man in the backside with the umbrella. And if that isn't bad enough, the umbrella seems to have had a needle built into it, and this needle injected mercury into the victim. He ends up in a coma from which he never recovers. Bizarre murder weapon number 11, a nail gun. In November of 2008, two young boys find a body floating in the mud flats at Oatley Bay. The body was found floating, wrapped in plastic, wire, and an extension cord. An x-ray of the skull will show 34 long nails believed to be expelled from a high-powered nail gun. The body was that of 27-year-old Anthony Liu, who had moved to Sydney, Australia in 2004. This case is unsolved. Bizarre murder weapon number 12. A pen. 
Jason Webster was an undergraduate history student. His girlfriend, or girl he wants to be his girlfriend, was 26-year-old marine biology student Rebecca Love. According to an article I read at metro.co.uk, he was more interested in her than she was with him. Rebecca's priority was school more than in having a relationship with anyone, at least a serious one. But in 2007, Jason is drunk and apparently wanting to have sex. He goes to Rebecca's place. She is not interested. In an alcohol-fueled rage, he stabs Rebecca 93 times in the head, chest, neck, and body with a pen. Bizarre murder weapon number 13. A corkscrew. Brooklyn. February 2008. Carline Renalik doesn't hear from the father of her three children. They don't live together, but they do talk every morning. When she finds out that Murat St. Hilaire hasn't shown up at Wyckoff Heights Medical Center where he works, she gets worried. She goes to his apartment on Park Place along with their 11-year-old daughter. The daughter finds Murat in his bedroom. The 55-year-old man is dead with a corkscrew lodged in the side of his head. Terrible way to die and horrific that his young daughter is the one to find him like that. To make matters worse, I can't find anywhere that there has ever been an arrest or a suspect in this murder. Bizarre murder weapon number 15. Breasts. On January 12, 2013, police were called to the airport in Trailer Park at 12.45 a.m. This is for a disturbance. Paramedics are already on scene attempting CPR on a 51-year-old man. He will be pronounced dead later at Swedish Hospital. Witnesses claim that they saw 51-year-old Donna Lang, who was from Everett, Washington, throw her boyfriend down. Later, those witnesses find Donna laying down on the victim with her breasts covering his face. Apparently, both were drunk when they got into the fight, so there's some question as to whether she meant to do it, or one or both of them passed out and he accidentally smothered. Or did she use her 38 double Ds as a murder weapon? She claimed to have no knowledge of what happened, which might be true since they were both drunk. There were initially charges of second-degree manslaughter, but there is no record of her being convicted. It's possible she was either never tried or she pled to something less and was given probation or a fine. Bizarre murder weapon number 16, an Xbox console. In April of 2013, a 20-year-old woman was found next to a broken and bloody Xbox console. Monica Gooden was found dead with no defensive wounds, but there were also a lot of stab wounds. They suspected that her boyfriend, 26-year-old Darius Johnson, had probably beat her unconscious with the Xbox and then stabbed her. There were three knives at the scene. If that isn't bad enough, Darius admits to killing her but says that he sacrificed her. Why? He needed to sacrifice someone with an astrological sign of Taurus, which is weird, but also pointless because Monica was not a Taurus, which he knew, but his reasoning for settling for her was to reach spiritual fulfillment. In order to do that, he had to kill someone who owned his heart. He also claimed to be Satan, but followed it up with Satan isn't bad. It's pretty obvious to me. That killing someone with a game console and knives isn't considered good. He tried for an insanity defense in 2017, but that was rejected. If convicted, he will spend life in prison. Oddly, I can't find out what his actual sentence is or was. Interesting. Bizarre murder weapon number 17. 
a shoe, or a butcher's block. 21-year-old Edith Maxwell from Weiss, Virginia, got a little ticked off at her dad. On July 20th, 1935, Edith comes home from being out, it said, all night. It was really like 12.35 a.m. When she gets home, her dad, Trigg, who has a drinking problem, is none too pleased. He has some harsh words to say to her. And he also makes some threats. In one account, I read he whipped her, but not all accounts say this. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. By Edith's account, when she got home, her 11-year-old sister warned her that Pappy was furious and had taken Edith's bedclothes. She goes to her dad's room to get her stuff back, and that's when he threatened to whip her. Edith claims he had a knife in his hand. Her father, she says, grabbed her around the throat and threatened to finish her. As the struggle went on, she fell down. She felt something under her shoulder and grabbed the first thing she found and hit him in the head with it. That item happened to be a high-heeled shoe. After she hit him, she runs from the room. A neighbor overhears Trigg yelling, Oh, Lordy! And he knocks on the door. Edith is the one to answer, and she tells the neighbor everything's fine. Edith's mother, Anne, takes a look at Trigg's wound, and it doesn't look all that serious to her. She cleans him up and sends him to bed. A half hour later, Trigg wakes up needing to spit, so he stumbles out to the porch. Instead of spitting, he falls down, hits his head on a butcher's block, and dies. While being interrogated, Edith admits to hitting him with the shoe, but it appears there was some question as to whether it was a man's shoe, an iron, an axe, or a skillet. Seems a wide range of potential weapons. Initially, she was charged and sentenced to 25 years, but in September of 36, her conviction was overturned, and she got a second trial in December. After 30 minutes of deliberation, the jury finds her guilty again. But in the end, she will only serve six years. A letter from Eleanor Roosevelt asking the governor for a pardon helped Edith get freedom in 1941. Edith changed her name to Anne Grayson, got married, had children, and lived quietly until her death in 1979 at the age of 65. And our last and oldest bizarre murder weapon number 18 is a chessboard. According to Viking legend, in the 14th century, two Norsemen named Faber and Sauden were playing a nice game of chess. It didn't stay nice, though. The two got pissed at each other and started throwing the chess pieces. Eventually, Faber got so ticked off that he grabbed the heavy chessboard and bashed Sauden over the head with it. It killed him instantly. There were a few other strange and awful weapons like a sock, a piece of art, a jump rope, a bowling ball, a chainsaw, a pair of sweatpants, and a microwave. Some of them involved young children, and I just didn't want to go there. Feel free to Google the subject yourself. And that will do it for today's Crime Biscuit. Hang tight for the final crumb. I'm going to up my game starting this week, and I'm going to get back to two episodes. This is a shorter one. This would be considered a half biscuit. I will do a longer one later in the week. I'm also considering switching platforms for hosting of my podcast. We'll have to see what that looks like. In the meantime, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Crime Biscuit or send me an email at acrimebiscuit at gmail.com. Here's your final crumb. High-heeled shoes, Xbox consoles, and chessboards don't seem like things you should be afraid of, but neither do dessert spoons and pumpernickel bread. I guess you never know what might do you in until it's too late. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.